and welcome to episode 266 of the Crate and Crowbar on the 12th of December. I'm Tom Francis and joining me tonight are... Alex Wilshire and... John Roberts. Hello. Hi. Hi. We Last week we recorded, I think, the day before the Game Awards happened. Um, and the Game Awards was a had a lot of announcements piggybacked onto it. Um, uh, a lot to do with the Epic Store, actually, which we did talk about last week. Um, so that was covered. We were good there. <laughs> yeah, the Epic Store itself. I think the Epic Store also hadn't launched, and so we didn't. Did we know what was on it? Um, but anyway, it's launched with a bunch of exclusive stuff, uh, including the next game from uh, Supergiant, uh, which is called Hades, and that is just straight into early access on the Epic Store. So it was just announced and released the same day. Um, and Ashen, which is a game that has been a sort of floating around for a, quite a while. Yeah. Um, and became uh, an Epic Store exclusive and is launched. I think it's just launched, right? It's not early access or anything. Correct, yeah. It's out, it's out, out, out. That is um, a game that looks uh, really gorgeous. has a lovely, like, um, uh, stylized look. Uh, I get the impression it's kind of a Souls-like. Extremely Souls-like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. looks... Probably won't play it. <laughs> it looks uh, like it shares some lineage with that other... Uh, cool low poly style beat em up game where you can build your own combos that I've forgotten the name of. Oh, yeah, the was the sort of MMO one the... where you wear masks, yeah, and oh. exactly. I mean, absolution absolver, Absol- yes, absolver. It looks like it's uh, quite similar to that. Uh, really nice art style. Uh, they have um, that nice low poly aesthetic thing going on. I know because I've been trying to rip them off quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the game. If it's a bit more like PVE, I might be more interested in that than Absolver, which was, I think, hardcore PvP. Yeah, yeah, I found that quite hard, and I didn't get the combat at all. And and it was also sort of log in, log outy, and sort of mm. I got killed by some real people, and I thought, no, I might be killed by Chris over and over again. <laughs> it probably was Chris. Uh, Hades, we'll get back to because that's what I've been playing. Um... And then there was a bunch of non-Epic Store stuff. Actually, no, sorry. On the Epic Store front, there's also Satisfactory, which is, That's again, right, already yeah. announced. But now it, that one is completely exclusive to Epic Store, as far as we know. Mm. They've, they've said they have no plans for releasing on other platforms. Um, I wonder if these early adopters are people who were on uh, Unreal Engine anyway, and are taking advantage yes, of the... I think, I think uh, Satisfactory might be. I think Ashen was... Um, I don't know about the others. Uh but yeah, Satisfactory is, is, as far as we know, completely exclusive to Epic Store. Um, uh, get what is it? Rebel Galaxy something. Yes. I can't remember what, it's, what the Don't subtitle what the is. is. Um, that one is exclusive to the Epic Store for a year, and Hades is exclusive to the Epic Store while it's in early access, and then when it fully releases, it's going to be on other platforms, hmm. so presumably Steam, which I think is quite a smart way to do it because that. Uh, hedges their bets a bit. It's still quite a big get for Epic because, ba- sorry, I keep going to call them Bastion. Supergiant, who made Bastion and Transistor and Pyre, um, are a big deal. And a new game from them is, you know, immediately interesting. That's why I downloaded the Epic Store launcher and, and bought something on it. So they got me. Um, but it doesn't really cost Supergiant nearly as much as it's costing these other developers because they're not uh, crippling their Steam launch, I don't think. Like I've previously said, one of the downsides of doing early access is you dilute your launch by having these two launches that are sort of yeah. the no- notability of it is split two ways and so neither one of them necessarily registers on the same scale it would have if it was all one launch mm. whereas here 
they get a big load of it, you know, all the press and attention of, of this kind of um, news, uh, you know, the epic story is inherently news and it's kind of controversial and um, it's got a lot of attention and they're one of the headliners there. So they get all that. And then when they come out on Steam, it's still going to be a big deal because it, it's their 1.0 launch. And for Steam customers, it's never been there before. So yeah. it's actually a bigger deal on Steam than it would have been if they'd done early access on Steam. Yeah. So I think they've got kind of a win-win there. Yeah, it's um, a nice one. The all this stuff has kind of um, resulted in a new class of uh, of, of apologetic um, blog post, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, oh, we can see that we're getting a lot of criticism for putting our game on the Epic Store and not another store, despite the fact they're both for your PC, uh, and this is why we did it. Um, which person? I it's a bit of a shame they've had to do that. Um, I have seen a few arguments as to why people are aggrieved that um, that the game, you know, a game they've been looking forward to isn't coming out on Steam and is coming out on a different store as well. Instead, I don't really follow any of those arguments though too well. Yeah, I think it's um, it has the stink of exclusivity um, <laughs> and the fact that it doesn't have the same uh problems as like when something is playstation exclusive um and is not going to come to pc at all uh that sucks if you don't own a playstation and the only way to get around it is spend a whole bunch of money to get a playstation and so you're either just left out or you have to spend some money and so that's that's a real harm to you um or it doesn't have a harm to you at all (laughs) that's a lie you're not being injured anyway you just don't get this one particular toy (laughs) Um, whereas this kind of exclusivity doesn't cost you anything to get it. You can, I mean, you have to pay for the game. You don't have to pay any more for the game, and the the service that you run it on is free. It's just a little bit of an inconvenience to download it and to create an account. And uh, the the thing of like, oh, I got another thing running my system tray. I'm kind of sympathetic to, but in practice, I just don't like the Epic Launcher. I don't leave it running. It isn't very. When I want to play Hades, yeah. I fire up the Epic Launcher. And I fire, oh, actually, you don't even need to do that once you've installed stuff. I don't know if this is universal in the Epic Store, but for Hades and it, probably for other indie games, there's no DRM on it, so there's oh, no really? need to be running the Epic Launcher to huh. it. It's just a, it's installed to your program files directory and you just run it like a normal program. I don't remember the last time I was actually angry about, say, Uplay, which <laughs> kind of has to run. So when you open up in Steam, Uplay then opens as well. And it always has to update every time I do that. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I remember like... There's a level of faff that is manageable for me. Yeah. Far Cry 3, I remember it being a, an issue with that. Um, like it, it was a pain in the ass to... Uplay was getting in the way. And it's interesting because we've kind of got the whole range of, of approaches to this because Ubisoft have their own launcher and have their own store, um, but they still sell their games on Steam and they make that pretty painless for you on Steam. You just kind of launch the game. I guess, presumably, if you don't have a Uplay account yet, do you have to create one or do they automatically... Pretty sure you do, yes. Okay. So that's a pain the first time, but then every, every other time it's fine. EA, of course, have their own store and have just pulled their games from Steam. Sorry, not just pulled their games from Steam. They have completely pulled their games from Steam. Uh, I looked this up because I was curious. I hadn't really noticed this, <laughs> um, except, I guess, when like Mass Effect Andromeda came out and I had to get it on Origin. Yeah, um, Mass Effect 3 was the turning point for me. I was holding out until then, but I wanted <laughs> right, yeah. the conclusion. I... So I searched for Electronic Arts on Steam and I found them as a publisher and uh, their last release was 2013, so five years ago, and it was like a Sims expansion pack. Mm. Um, So I don't think I've bought an EA game (laughs) since then except for Andromeda and it was Dragon Age Inquisition since then, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Titanfall 2. Uh, Oh yeah, I did play that. 
Huh. I must have bought that through Origin then. Maybe it's not that I don't buy EA games. EA games. It's just that I forget I bought them because I don't see them <laughs> in the Steam library. There is there is one argument that kind of ah. Uh, so there was a uh, so David Kalida. No, Gal, Gal. Oh goodness, he's the he's the the um, developer of um, Cook Serve Delicious. Galindo, Galindo, David Galindo. He wrote a uh, post on Game Sutra, uh, which explained why he felt that it was anti-consumer to uh, have the Epic Store um, and to pull your game off of Steam in order to put it on there. Um, with his, the argument that that because the Epic Store was feature has far fewer features than mm. than than Steam, so um, its returns policy is less detailed. Although you can totally return a game on on the on the Epic Store, you don't get achievements, you don't get um, leaderboards, um, and various other sort of bits and pieces that that are all on all provided for any game that's um, on Steam. And I just think. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the future. Like, sort of, if, of course, these things come out in a simple state. Yeah. With the, and, you know, you know that all this stuff is going to get built on it. I, I don't, I don't get, I don't get it. Don't get it. Yeah, it's that. So, there's an argument that like exclusives are they sort of create problems for the consumer in order to benefit the developer. But the long-term goal, you know, part of the reason these developers don't feel guilty about doing this is that uh, it's not purely self-interest. They hope it'll make the industry better and make it um, uh, either pressure Valve into offering a better deal, or if they don't offer a better deal, maybe more people, Epic Store becomes a success, more people move to it, and and players are more accepting of it and don't mind having it in their system tray or whatever. Um, And the argument against that is like, oh, well, if you want people to come to your new store, you just got to make it better than Steam. But I think that's kind of not practical because Steam is a thing that they've been working on since, uh, what, 2000 or something? Yeah. <laughs> like more than 15 years, I think. Um, and it's Valve, who are pretty good at, um, uh, at least depending on your perspective, at various times have been good at <laughs> understand uh, at reacting to player feedback. Like that's the thing that they uh, at least previously have been known for. Lately, there's been a lot more uh, pushback on their decisions, but... Um, they do try to listen to people and give the features that they want. And they have this huge backlog and wealth of data on how people use Steam and what languages are important and what currencies are important. Yeah. And they've rolled those out over years and years and years. And I just don't, if you, if your, if your position is that if you can't launch a, a store that's already better than Steam from day one, you shouldn't launch a store, then there will never be another store. Um, and that's not great. It's better if there is some competition from Valve. I'm someone who's not, you know, pissed off at Valve and not, uh, for me, they do own, earn their 30%. Um, but, you know, won't say no to everything getting better for me. <laughs> <laughs> there are also some non-Epic related announcements. Uh, there's a new Far Cry game, New Dawn. New Dawn. Do you guys see this? Yeah, it's post-apocalyptic. Yep. It's post-apocalyptic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I need Fancy... That's a really. I mean, fancy selling a game yeah. after the, an apocalypse. Imagine, it, imagine that. So what? What could it? What uh, would that world I don't be know like? Why being like this. <laughs> we should not be discouraging post-apocalyptic settings. <laughs> it this seems is, to. 
maybe directly follow on from yeah. the one because so mild spoilers for well I suppose quite big spoilers for Far Cry 5 very massive the, the statute then... of limitations is probably up oh well I hadn't seen the end of Far Cry 5 and I was not annoyed I think I think that the because... makers <laughs> releasing a game which spoils their game yeah you know it's now fair they've game. declared it's fair game um, so yeah at the end of Far Cry 5 and Newt goes off um, I, I haven't played that that far myself because I wasn't interested in the story stuff and actually I found it really uh, annoying but I watched on YouTube some of the ending fucking hours long <laughs> there's there's several different ones I think there's only, maybe only two main endings but there's also like secret ones like at the start you can refuse to arrest the, the cult leader and that yeah. has a unique reaction which is great I really like when they do stuff like that um, but fuck I couldn't sit through the monologues and because it was like a good ending and a bad ending one after the other and some secret endings I couldn't find where they started or stopped because I wasn't willing to watch them all because even as a video even when I can skip the boring bits I still can't get through all the fucking monologuing and it's just so it's just like religious quotes and stuff and like it, none of it feels like it just needs an editor like it, like <laughs> if I don't know like it, what's weird is I was going to say like if it was costing them X per minute to do this but it is costing them X per minute <laughs> it's hugely expensive to make these scenes like the shorter the better but for some reason I don't know the, the style they're going for is long monologues with very little substance <laughs> and uh, like they have a really particular style of digital acting that they like and it it's in your face like literally that they have a characterful villain who's very well modeled and very well acted like usually the acting is the digital acting and and the voiceover acting is um uh very proficient um and uh they have that character literally get in your face and and very make very direct eye contact with you and uh you're almost always like restrained or unable to react while they do horrible things to you or say horrible things to you or taunt you and tease you and they like they're so desperate to get a reaction out of you and it doesn't really work for me um but actually the villains since uh have all made me realize how good vass was in far cry 3 yeah like not all of the dialogue for him was great but that performance is so good and He's also, I think, that actor. Um, I'm forgetting his name on the spot, but I, he's in Orphan Black, and uh, I keep seeing him in other stuff. And every time I was like, "Oh, it's Vass!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good in everything, and it really shows in that performance. Like he's one of the only villains they've had who's kind of um, has enough charisma to sell it. I think when you, if you're going to do the kind of, "Oh, we're not so different, you and I," and um, the taunting, theatrical, mustache twirling villain type stuff. You can only really get away with it if the actor is charismatic enough to just where you just kind of want to watch him, like you just mm. um, they're just compelling on screen, um, and so it, it like a that's a credit to the actor and also it's a, it's a credit to the digital acting. So he hadn't really had it to that extent before Far Cry Three, I don't think. And since then, the technical side of it has been just as good, I think, but the performances have never quite. I can't remember most See, of think them now. I think I thought that the main the main messianic uh, character in Far Cry 5, like it's an understated, relatively understated performance. I think it's actually yeah. technically good. Like I I found, I felt that he had a lot of gravity, but the problem is that that, that tone does not fit the fact that you just had an insane kind of adventure before you just sort of shipped up at him and he's sort of being all intense at you and you're going, I don't care what you're talking about. I want to go in my wingsuit <laughs> and, and, you know. Yeah friend my dog so a newt goes off and uh far cry new dawn is uh a game that is set it's not immediately after the newt goes off it's it's after the world has had a chance to recover a bit um 
It's long enough that the dog is dead, <laughs> but not long enough that all of the humans are dead. So there are some returning characters, apparently. Um, but it's a kind of... Uh, to me, it looks very inspired by Annihilation, the Netflix adaptation of um, oh. that book. Um, where the colourful apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, blooming with flowers. I think they call it a super bloom or a hyper bloom, which is a phenomenon mm. that apparently you sometimes get after, um, after Fallout. And... After the game Fallout. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it does look pretty and nice and looks like, like I'm not bored of it. Whereas Fallout 4, I think I, it was like, oh, it's still just yeah. ruined buildings. and It's going to be another uh, thing we talk about, but Obsidian's uh, new RPG thing, which is almost revealed as a direct um, comparison to fallout 76 is brown world <laughs> is also very colorful yeah as well that is the outer worlds not, not worlds. outer wilds yeah not to be confused with outer wilds which is a different game uh that's also looks very cool but yeah uh far cry new dawn um there's a granny sniper in it i'm in favor oh, yeah. of that <laughs> this is a granny who is a sniper not a sniper oh yeah specializes <laughs> in grannies <laughs> Look, I only do one thing, but I do it very well. <laughs> Slow-moving target, you don't have to lead them very much. <laughs> and they're going to die soon anyway, so the moral cost is not as bad. <laughs> I do reduce straight. It's going to be fun to see if uh, they want to risk revisiting old locations, but apocalypsified. Yes. Which is a fun concept and something that the team probably want to do. But also weighing that up against the kind of internet nerds who will get annoyed that they're reusing the map. Yeah, so that was the thing they hit with Far Cry Primal, that they are reusing the map in this, um, and they've been quite upfront about it, and I think... But it's not all of the map. It's actually, like, it's, this is a slightly cheaper game. It's not as big, hmm. apparently, as mm. um, as Fallout. Right. Uh, Fallout. <laughs> Far Cry 5 was. <laughs> Fallout just won't get out of this conversation. <laughs> Shut up, Fallout. Um, it... They do have some off-site locations, though. You like you fly out to other locations in the US and have little missions there. Um, but yeah, Far Cry Primal. This is very much a equivalent to Far Cry Primal, I think, in terms of scope and. Yeah, but um, they never told us about the the fact that they stole their <laughs> yeah. own map. And I think they didn't because there's no justification for it. There's no reason why it would be the same chunk of land. Um, and they assume people wouldn't notice. And I don't think anyone would have if they hadn't done a direct like map you know yeah. layover thing I certainly had no idea and I played that I no. played Far Cry 4 extensively and I played Far Cry Primal extensively um, so I have absolutely no problem with that um, this time there's an intriguing thing that I think I might like where outposts after you capture them you can either kind of secure them for good and they'll never they'll be yours forever or you, those forces that you would be using to defend it you can send them out to scavenge and you get some resources but you leave your outpost undefended and the way I heard it is that that means it gets taken over by enemies and then you have to take it again. I don't quite know how... It seems like that can't work ad infinitum. It can't be like you just always lose it and then you just take it back and you get the resources again. I mean, maybe you can, maybe. Like, but are they going to stop me from just like doing the easiest outpost like a hundred times and getting resources from that? Or maybe you can only do it once or something? I don't know. But I like that idea because I love outposts. I only want to play the outposts and when they're all done... I would enjoy playing them again, but it feels a little bit weird to kind of go into the options menu and click a sort of abstract button that says, uh, I want that fun again, please. <laughs> Even though it doesn't make any sense, put all the enemies back. It's got uh, crafting in it. Yep. As a, as a game designer, Tom, 
is it possible to make a game set in the post, you know, with a post-apocalyptic setting that doesn't have a crafting and scavenging system in it? <laughs> is it possible? I don't think it is. What Demonstrably. About, what about Elegy for a Dead World? The game where you just walk through desolate landscapes and write poetry about them. <laughs> I don't think I suppose that is the other response to the post-apocalypse. Uh, that it, you know, poetry or crafting. <laughs> Nothing else. The two things we can rely on after the apocalypse. Yeah, and it's not surprising to me that they all do because it's part of it supports it the aesthetic. Part, it, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> they. It's funny whenever they promote a Far Cry game, except for Primal. Uh, because all the stuff they show is the stuff I don't want to do, and has no like they haven't shown any like bow and arrow stuff or stealthy stuff. It's just someone running into a fucking camp with machine gun and blasting everybody, and um, it's totally unappealing to me. But I guess there's an audience for that. So I just suddenly realised that all those colours. Um, it's a bit like the um, Rage Two. It's got the Rage Two feel, yeah, hasn't yeah. it? Kind of the bright colours. It's, it's not wacky because wacky is a terrible word. Um, but yeah, that exuberant and excited feel that Rage 2 definitely has. Yeah. Um, there was Mohawks and cars with blue tyres and razor blade launchers, uh, and it looked pretty fun. Uh, Rage 2 has a release date now, which is May 14th. I keep sort of feeling vaguely surprised it hasn't come out already. Yeah. Like there's sort of, it's just sort of, I didn't kind of half forgotten about. Yeah, I never really got into the first one. Um, so this is not very exciting news for me. <laughs> <laughs> what else was announced? Uh, Last Campfire. Oh yeah, from Hello Games. New Hello Games game, um, which is uh, am I right thinking it's by just two people at Hello Games? Yeah, it's by Steve Burgess, who you probably know, don't you, Tom? John? No, no. There's you lots don't. of uh, famous people who worked at Frontier when I was there, and didn't meet any of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's lovely. You should, you'd like him. Yeah, I think. Oh, interestingly, um, this is like uh, a smaller project within Hello Games. That's right. I think it's just the two of them. Yeah, they they were based they... in a small studio in e- in Ely. Yeah, on the in Norfolk. I think that mirrors their time at Frontier, where it was just them or some of them and another small team within who worked on Lost Winds. That's right. Uh, which was a Wii uh, thing that I think proportional to the. Team Investment was one of Frontier's most profitable games ever because mm. huh. uh, it was just a tiny, beautifully made little thing. So uh, I'm excited for a kind of adventure game. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, uh, what kind it looked of thing lovely from the trailer. Actually, I was really, really taken with it. But beautiful art and uh, a fun story that seems to be told without um, speech. Maybe uh, lots of very emotive characters and uh, fun backdrops. It looked really cool. Yeah, the Nintendo feel to the yeah. backdrops. Good sense of humour as well. But with a kind of mysterious uh, adventuring that's a bit like. Do you like the segue here? Below. Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which has finally got a, renounced, uh, a release date. <laughs> announced date. It's got a renounced date. <laughs> On this date, we're going to renounce <laughs> the game. <laughs> and it's coming out um, in January, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um... And so has At The Gates, which yeah. is the uh, 4X strategy game about being barbarians outside the gates of Rome uh, by John Schaefer, who is the lead designer of Civ... Five. Five? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And that has been seven years in development mm. um, with two years off uh, because uh, he had a very rough time making it. And he joined Paradox at one point. And, and then he's, yeah, because he's in Sweden now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's finally coming out in January. Um, and it still looks lovely. It's got this lovely watercolor style where the, the fog of war is just unpainted canvas. And as you explore it, it gets painted. Um, and it's a game where you only have one base. Uh, you're kind of... Uh, once you use up all the resources in your area, you have to pick up camp and move it somewhere else, which is mm. cool. And yeah, it's very much a game that sets out to solve some of the problems of Civ. There was also, uh, as you mentioned, John, The Outer Worlds. Yes. Uh, which is an Obsidian game, a first-person RPG in the vein. It struck me as kind of being Borderlands-ish, Fallout-ish. Yeah, I think yeah. its aesthetic is very uh, Borderlands. But I think this is... Everyone's been asking for New Vegas 2 mm. um, from Obsidian. And I think both them and Bethesda have been pretty clear that that's not going to happen. So this is probably what they've been working on <laughs> instead. Yeah. And developing their own IP on this frontier world. So Which yeah. apparently is not going to be owned by or published by Microsoft, despite Microsoft oh. buying Obsidian. They slide in just before the deadline. I think they must have done <laughs> That's fun. Um, but yeah, it, that's... Uh, what we've seen in that trailer so far, the writing is good and funny. Uh, they had some good digital acting, uh, some nice kind of Joss Whedon like visual comedy bits uh, with clunky machinery. Um, the it does get very close to Borderlands with its kind of uh, high tech Western frontier town mm, yeah. theme. I think they called attention to that as well by saying like corporations bought the frontier and repackaged it and sold it to us again. Hmm. Um, so that might be basically like a frontier theme park that um, you break out of at some point. I'm just making up a game now. That's fine. <laughs> um, they, but yeah, it was interesting to see them. It's set on multiple planets, it seems like. All right. Um, it's like a little kind of solar system, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, and they look pretty... <laughs> that's my take on that ooh, ooh, ooh. talking of talking of of big games that have been being in been in production for a long time and are based in a solar system of planets that are very pretty beyond good and evil yeah also oh, got sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i started watching a, a video of that but i didn't get all the way through it no it was very 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 long um it continues to just look suspiciously ambitious <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't i'm so immunized to to the uh, you know the magic that they they want to inspire with with these kinds of like look at this fucking planet and it's a whole planet you can go to other planets and you, there's everything is just everything all the time yeah <laughs> uh i've heard that pitch a lot and it's um it's it hasn't materialized but also the the more people try it the less i think i even want it to materialize <laughs> less I, I even want like a whole planet of stuff it, it just it's sort of the promise is is seems almost fundamentally impossible and so it's always a case of like which bit are you being slightly misleading about like <laughs> i wish they would just say like look at this planet 99 percent of it is dead yeah. <laughs> there's nothing in 99 percent of it the one percent we put a lot of work into and we'll tell you where that one percent is yeah. and you just go there and you have some fun and you go on because the scale is cool i love looking at a big planet but when you're trying to tell me it's all full of stuff to do yeah. like, i just don't believe you for a second and it, i hope it's not because if it is then it must be generated and it's probably not going to be as good as if you mm. You know, 
made it looked like it looked from from the video there's lots of very authored very kind of made environments that sort of have specific sort of objectives and and kind of crafted levelly stuff in them yeah and i hope is it is just a sort of you know a handful of points of interest scattered around a landscape that looks very pretty and you fly over it and there's nothing i saw like them flying over some cityscape yeah and they flew close enough that you could see it was just a kind of repeating pattern of of stuff like it it didn't seem like um it was promising you could land at any point and go inside all the buildings and Mm. have unique adventures and stuff which is good because well um i don't think they could do that (laughs) I think the setting, like you're meant to be pirates, basically. So you know you can construct a game out of generated stuff with that because you're, you know, boarding ships and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems quite heavy on dogfighting. Um, they said you can any vehicle you can see, you can fly and and or drive or pilot. Um, you can customize your vehicle and replace all parts of it, and it seems really fucking ambitious. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's all drop-in, drop-out, seamless multiplayer with <laughs> all your but friends. I think that you can't... like So So I uh, had spent the last couple of months working on a book about um, Roblox. And in this book, there are interviews with, um, with the makers of various Roblox games, um, who are mostly kids, sort of. I talked about Roblox a few weeks ago. Um, and... One of the stock questions that I got this sort of I got these interviews given to me that had been conducted by the makers of Roblox, and uh, one of the stock questions they asked each of, each of them was if you could make any game you'd wanted when time, skill, and money wasn't an object, what would you make? And I'm I'm not kidding, three quarters of them were a space game where you can go anywhere, you can land on any planet, you can do what you like, you can build a base, you can. You know, you, you can fly around, do dogfighting, explore the planet. Sort of, you've kind of got to do those games <laughs> because literally, if you're a big company, you've got to make that because that's what people genuinely want. I wonder if there's an element, though, that when you're asked that question phrased that way, you're prompted to think of the most ambitious thing mm. rather than the thing you want yeah, most. Like, yeah. I can't imagine anyone ever saying, Slay the Spire 2. <laughs> like, even though that might be the game that they want the most. Intricate card game, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're right that it's a eternally attractive concept to a large number of people and yeah star citizen is yeah star <laughs> proof citizen, of, of how yeah. much you can get out of just the promise of it uh, elite is trying to achieve that um yeah beyond good and evil and the um oh who's the guy who made uh the arena shooter popular again daisy <laughs> Oh yeah, him. What's his uh, name? Rocket. Rocket. <laughs> D- Dean. He, Rocket. Dean Hall. Hall. Rocket. Something. Hall. Hall. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? He was having a go. Rocket to guns. Is that his username? That's his Twitter name. Mm. He was having a go at a big endless space game where you construct yeah. things, and so yeah. I mean, even relatively experienced developers, when they get lots of money, want to do that as well. So yeah, it's it's. A thing. <laughs> uh, was there any other news announcements or things? I was just going to mention that sort of into like as another huge, great game that that kind of that people love to, to sort of the idea of playing and the and the idea of making uh, Kenshi, which is a oh yeah 
uh, single player RPG where you can go off and do anything you like really within this kind of very brown world um, uh, uh, you can sort of be a trader or you know, all the things <laughs> all the things fighting you can make bases you can sort of collect a large group of people that you're kind of controlling almost RTS like um, has finally come out after six years in development mm. it's um, been made in Bristol down the road and I'm due to talk to them in a couple of weeks or a couple of days um, but uh, so yeah there's another shout out to that game which is another long in development game yeah, it's finally seeing the light uh, long term thing is uh, Maya by Simon Roth oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. released either last week or the week before after a pretty long development yeah that's been sitting in my steam in um early access for a long time and yeah. i'm quite interested to go back to it now that it's hit that milestone and see what kind of thing it actually is yeah and i think he once told me he measures the uh density mass and water content of every rock in that game <laughs> so i'm not sure <laughs> Any reason? Exactly what I get out. <laughs> Any reason? Simulation. Okay. <laughs> Given, but there's also <laughs> chickens that can you can accidentally set on fire. So I think I'll be right. if that if that's going what comes with there, that, that's yeah. good. The water content of chickens isn't high enough <laughs> for them not to be set on fire. <laughs> what have you been playing, John? I have been going through. Um, Steam sales, the Thanksgiving, the holiday sale. Mm. I picked out a few things, and one of those was Recore, uh, which I think was an Xbox One launch title. Recoil. Recore. Recore. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's been languishing in Microsoft store hell for a long time, <laughs> uh, and they remastered it and put it out on Steam. Uh, and it's uh, a kind of action-adventure uh, shooty robots game yeah. where you have I think the main draw of it is like that. a desert world and you're uh, this kind of survivor mechanic person uh, and you have a cool robot dog uh, with like a glowing blue core in it which is where the thing comes is from. that the re-dog core yeah because, so, because you can <laughs> is take, there more than one you dog? can take their core and you can put it in a different dog something else hmm. always a dog no it could be <laughs> spider gorilla <laughs> The three main kinds of core thing. <laughs> um, yeah, what happens to the dog after the core's been removed from the dog? It uh, goes to sleep. Okay. So you're effectively killing the dog? Does it dream? <laughs> In the sleep state. Does the, a, the does a record the dog. dog dream electric <laughs> dreams? Record dreams. In this game, you uh, are a kind of caretaker mechanic person uh, who is overseeing the terraforming of a frontier world uh, or rather you're in deep sleep while um, various AIs and robots and cores uh, go off and do all the hard work. Uh, there's uh, a colony ship in orbit above with lots more humans and the setup is something's gone wrong and all the robots have gone bad uh, and it's up to you to find out uh, what's going wrong with a gun? With a gun <laughs> uh, a gun and a robot dog friend and lots of shooting and platforming. Is it good? Uh, seven out of ten. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about it is that 
you very quickly realise it was designed by a committee. <laughs> it feels utterly of its time and does not take any brave decisions at all. Hmm. Uh, I think when the first trailer for it came out, they were, had um, a big name on it. It's the Mega Man guy, is it? KG in a Fune or something right. like that. Yeah, okay. They were trumping for like from the creative mind of uh, in a Fune. It's like, well, I think he just kind of knocked this one off to uh, a few interns. <laughs> from a doodle on the back. Of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm thinking dogs. Called uh, dogs. There's like <laughs> roll with it. There's the kind of wishful open world where it's like we want an open world, but we're going to do like three or four big zones instead. And they're going to have lots of interesting things in them, uh, some of which you will unlock later in the game and have to come back to once you have new robots that have different abilities and stuff like that. Everything is... All the enemies are levelled, so you have to level up your gun and stuff like this. Um, the uh, You can double jump and dash and stuff like that. Uh, and there's one thing which I'm I'm absolutely sure was passed down by a cigar-munching Microsoft mid-level producer uh, where it's got a wacky robot in. (laughs) And like someone said, my kid loves this claptrap thing from Borderlands. (laughs) Stick it in this. Uh, And then, you know, two weeks later, he was off the project doing something else. Uh, But the team was still cursed with this annoying, stupid robot. Wacky robot. Is it what is it sort of like a floating one that's sort of always with you? What's what what is there are various expressions of the irritating robot? (laughs) It's like a tiny humanoid munchkin thing with like a rebel bandana on it because it's leading the resistance against the enemy robots, but it doesn't use words, it it talks in stupid simlish stuff. Mm. Uh, Do you get like subtitles for what it's saying? No, okay, so you have no idea what it's saying. No, it's like the R2D2 (laughs) thing where it jabbers on and then you're. Uh, protagonist interprets it right uh, but the dumb thing is you get audio logs of this stupid wibbling <laughs> robot um, well someone's typed out them? lots of phonetic sort of really is it like that yeah for like a minute and a half nice when you collect this thing does, your, that does the protagonist interpret this for you or I can't even I just drown it out if there's subtitles <laughs> I just like block it out you put something in the bottom <laughs> like a bowl of books honestly I've done that when watching um, stuff that like I, for, if for whatever reason I can't turn off the subtitles like they're baked in or um, or the menu's a pain in the ass <laughs> uh, I find them extremely distracting if they come up before the word is said Yeah. and so I've done it where like if I have Often I have my laptop out when I'm watching TV and I'll just like shift the laptop and my head level so that the laptop is blocking the subtitle <laughs> levels so that I can't read them. Which is dumb. There's uh, some nice animation going on in Recall. Um, like you have your dog companion and whoever did the dog uh, was very good at animating <laughs> a fun robot dog companion. Um, the platforming is pretty solid. You have uh, a double jump and a dash and uh, various puzzles involved um, getting through gates which reset those things and they're landing on moving platforms and so on but the actual like mechanics of controlling all that and telegraphing where your character is in 3D space uh, relative to platforms and stuff and camera angles never fuck up it's actually relatively good hmm. uh, which is nice otherwise it would get incredibly frustrating very quickly um, it, the graphics annoy me slightly <laughs> Um something i can't quite put my finger on um 
and it feels like they dialed the sharpness of everything up to 11 just to show off um, like 4K gaming on Xbox One. Right. Everything is very noisy, uh, nor mapped, and um, like PBR um, lighting and stuff. So everything's like shiny and crisp and noisy, and it just doesn't pull everything together. Everything's going, look at me, look at me. Exactly. What does PBR stand for? Uh, physically based rendering. Ah. Right. Um, that's weird PB, PBR for physically is that, I obviously obviously that's that the right be, spelling but like I just would never make the mental would you rather it was leap. F yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be very artist specific but it's fascinating Alex <laughs> it's about uh, measuring the uh, surface structure of the uh, material you're trying to emulate rather than just kind of guessing and going around the long way it's like no it's, it has the surface grain of this and it has the reflection properties of this huh. and then yeah I, i'm into you it. look fascinating i'm not i, I am <laughs> i genuinely am I'm, I'm well into that i can't remember if i've like wondered this aloud on the podcast before but i'm really curious as to like if there are how much kind of science it is pioneered through graphics technology like for mm. video games specifically like because i remember hearing the term subsurface scattering which is to do with how light reflects off skin and it's to do with like some of the light gets in like the first layer and then scatters yeah. around beneath it right and there's Bounces this diffuse off effect. blood and muscle and bone and, and i want to know did we know that before we made video games is that <laughs> something like did they ask physicists hey how does light work or did they yeah. have to do original research and to be fair um it's still 3d graphics is pioneering a lot of stuff um, but games come to it late right and mostly because we have to uh, look at the very very expensive ways that stuff like 3ds max and maya um can simulate subsurface scattering and try and fake them through very cheap methods uh, mm. instead. Uh, but with uh, graphics processors getting more powerful, we can get more and more real with those effects and kind of catch up to uh, like the Pixar level of um, crazy physics rendering. Mm. Hence being able to look, play the entire of Battlefield 5 mm. through the reflections of a teammate's <laughs> eyeballs. <laughs> Yeah, if you've paid five billion pounds for your new graphics card, that's the future. It's fun that that there's I can't remember what game it is, but some, some relatively new game is is boasting ray tracing, like true ray tracing. Yeah, because uh, I remember that word from the eighties. <laughs> I remember it from when about to my four eight six sixty six megahertz uh, would draw a line of ray traced <laughs> of a, basically a sphere with a kind of green background that I'd done or yeah yeah usually with with green backgrounds and yeah that's fun what do they mean by real ray tracing yeah like I mean 20 different things yeah exactly because it's like you know are you tracing every photon because <laughs> that's a lot of photons <laughs> it, I think yeah with that stuff it's just accurate uh, reflections on specifically reflecting things but I've seen some screenshots of Battlefield 5 where the the ray tracing is switched on and the, the image is just way noisier because all hmm. the all the puddles suddenly have mm. got beautifully reflective kind of actually <laughs> reflective things and suddenly your eye is being torn down to the ground <laughs> when you probably ought to be looking into the sort of the far far to middle distance instead yeah. and it, it's sort of yeah and in, even as an image Mm. Sort of, it's emphasizing the wrong things. Like, the reflection in the mud is probably not the important thing about the scene, 
and it's not the practically important thing about the scene. What no. was the game? Was it Spider Man that where the people complained that the puddles weren't as reflective in the final yeah. game? <laughs> Maybe they're doing that for your own good. It's, just, <laughs> it's distracting from the image. Anyway, recall. Recall. There's lots to do. Um, <laughs> recall. There's, there's lots, lots to, to do. <laughs> there's lots to do. Top of the bullet points. And you won't feel bad about playing it till you've had your fun with it and then forgetting it forever. <laughs> there's, yeah, I feel like there's a special kind of uh, character to Xbox exclusives. Like, mm. obviously, there's Gears of War, which is like a, you know, a typical uh, AAA game. and um, the, the Uber. I feel like every generation they have one thing that's kind of well-meaning and and a little bit quirky and interesting, but doesn't really catch on, and you you forget completely about it. Because now that you mentioned, I do remember Recall from like when the Xbox One came out. Yeah, and it had a very nice uh, E3 trailer that is not representative of the game at all. Mm. So, and then it just slips from the public consciousness. <laughs> like I never really heard anyone talk about it, or and it's not that people said it was bad; it just didn't say anything at all. Mm. Yeah. Here's to you, Recall. <laughs> <laughs> and your wacky robot sidekick. <laughs> what have you been playing, Alex? Um, so, Tom, we have been playing a game together, <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was going to give uh, talk, quickly talk about uh, a new first-person shooter, a Quake-like first-person oh, yeah. shooter called um, Dusk, which came out, I think, today, in fact. Hmm. Maybe all yesterday. I can't remember. Anyway, this is a sort of in amongst those... Quake kind of re-envisagings that kind of have, have been quite popular over the past year or so, year or two, um, which use really simple 3D models, uh, revel in un- you know unfiltered kind of textures, mm. lots of pixels available, lots of very jarring kind of sort of 3D forms. How alias would you say it is? Super <laughs> alias. You can choose your aliasing. There is a, in, in the menus, I've got it on a little bit, or itty bitty um, uh, pixelated, which is two like times. 2002. Yeah, yeah, you put it into the years, yeah. Can you go like beyond turning off anti-aliasing and having pro-aliasing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just adding extra, ju- ju- uh, yeah, ju- like, um, yeah. No, it's, um, uh, it plays incredibly fast, and um, I'm, I'm it's, it's it, when you ch- change weapons, shotgun is on three, pistol is on two, <laughs> nice. melee is on one. What's the melee weapon? Uh, well, this is different twin sides, wow, kind of like it's as if you've got handhelds, and a lot of the long sides, <laughs> sort of like the, the sort of hand yeah, sides, like they are sickles, yeah, that's it, yeah, two of them, and you kind of go swoosh them in front of the camera. Um, <laughs> very quickly um the first level see i don't know whether it's you i i just ran because i realized that the sides aren't powerful enough to defeat the first enemies you come across which are these <laughs> chainsaw wielding kind of sort of meaty angular guys sickle versus chainsaw is not a fight yeah, not, you don't bring a sickle to a chainsaw not. fight as the saying goes not and even I two could, sickles i could not bring one down at all um so I just ran and ran and ran and kind of it was very short level and that <laughs> so was that. It's like a hilarious like scene from a movie that like sets itself up to be this macho. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh shit, they got chainsaws. <laughs> you, you don't have the tools to defeat anybody in this game at all. <laughs> you will just run. Um, which I actually enjoyed that and I, I suspect that you probably can kill them but but um, but if you find, it's full of secrets. It has colour-coded doors. You know, it's it's proper sort of doom quake 
era play. Um, the level design is really nice, as in the looping sort of sense of it, where mm. you go into an area, you see a door that you can't go into, you go deeper into the level, you get that key, you're sort of starting to think, oh, I've got to backtrack now. But then the floor opens up and suddenly you fall down a pit and then you're back, you make your way through that and you're back up by the door that you need to go through. It's that really nice looping old style kind of careful mm. sort of incredibly contrived level yeah. design but like all in all the best ways you know That's where how they build them on the moon yeah <laughs> that yeah that feels like an art that for single player level design has been a little bit lost because everything now has to look like a place like once yeah. you hit a certain level of fidelity it's it's inescapable that this thing has to look like some kind of real place yeah. and even if it's an alien spaceship you have to follow some rules about how it's laid out Whereas back in the days of Quake and Doom, it was just like, Fuck it. let's make the flow really good. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. some kind of Mars base. It's some kind of medieval place, but it might also be a sci-fi place in the case of Quake. <laughs> this one is a farm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty found. I'm pretty sure I found like a, some sort of sort of underground kind of thing, which is a brewery. <laughs> uh, this. This in this one, uh, you can find bottles. Would an underground brewery be a sewery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite there was quite a lot of green puddles around as well, uh, and bottles where when you pick them up, when you kind of highlight or look at directly at them, you can press uh, E on them, and it says quaff. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets you a little bit of health, and uh, and after a while, I became obviously intoxicated, and the view went very wobbly. Um, it. Uh, it has all of the sort of the the, the building blocks of like the, of the the classic shooters, but in place of armor, it has morale, <laughs> and instead instead of and, and morale, you the pickups are gold and diamonds. <laughs> oh, just so excited about my quest. So your damage mitigation is just like your bravery, which is based on how rich you are. <laughs> it's, like, it's quite realistic. This is all good. I, I I'm down with that. Does it actually work exactly like armor? Like just pretty sure it does. I mean, I I blasted through probably about eight or uh, six levels, and I'd say that was <laughs> how things seem to be working. Um, uh, the you twin you you dual wield your shotguns and like it's you know you've played it before, but this is a good example of it. The imagery is kind of weird, I have to say. Like the the sheer there's. The the kind of art is very inconsistent, I would say. Mm. Like, sort of, you know, where you look at Doom and Quake, they are sort of obsessively consistent, I would say. But Quake even more so. Like, every every bit of it works together. Is, uh, together. Um, whereas this one, a lot of the textures and things kind of really jarring with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that kind of... I don't know. It, it's it's appealing, but like, if if you're really going to evoke those classic games, you know, you've got to to, to think about the consistency as well, and little other things where you know, uh, the font used for pickups and things is in, is in a different resolution to the way that it's presented on the screen. Uh, so it's kind of like it's going to make John you know, angry. <laughs> and that that is a bugbear. You don't of mine fuck as well. with the Texel right? You don't, you don't <laughs> fuck with the Texel right? You don't. Is it um, 3D, like Strafe, or is it uh, more sprite-based? Uh, it's 3D, so it's, right. it's Quake-era oh, okay. sort, of, yeah. sort of tech. Yeah. Sort of is there a ragdoll? 
Uh, no, because oh. yeah, I killed a scarecrow. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> the scarecrow wouldn't rag all that much anyway. And it landed on top of the thing that kind of that it was sort of next to. So it was just lying like a board, like oh, right. yeah, sort yeah. Of, some sort of bit of firm level of architecture. This is a weird aside that will go nowhere, but when I first played Jeet Nukem 3D, I had a bizarre bug where all corpses blocked line of fire like <laughs> at an infinite height. Like there was, If there was a corpse on the ground at that location, you could not shoot past it at any height. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, like... Because it wasn't... I wasn't used to, like, games just being different for different people. <laughs> like, it could crash or not run at all. But, like, I just thought, this is just how the game is. It's just a weird decision the designers made that corpses... Like, block everything forever. I guess in a way it was a forerunner for Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, the, and the, going back to the inconsistency thing, the um, the enemies, <laughs> again, it's it's appealing. It's it's cute that the way that, that you've got your killing scarecrows, uh, chainsaw-wielding sort of lumpy men, uh, hovering magic kind of wizards who throw fireballs they're kind of I guess the equivalent of imps in, in Doom yeah. um, weird like scuttly little sort of yeah no yeah. really it, that, it sounds that's, like a weird what you downloaded from somewhere that is it it's like yeah. somebody's basically you're playing someone else's game and they've kind of installed a random collection hmm. of mods yeah that's exactly it but you know fuck it it's really good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun and kind of um, yeah I really recommend it although I've got a a newish screen which is uh, G-Sync um, that runs at 144 sort of hertz. Oh yeah. Oh my god, I felt sick. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. It's it's a 27 inch screen, so it's quite field um, filling. Yeah. Um, vision field filling for me, and I felt quite ill <laughs> <laughs> because it's running so fast. And something they've got a really nice sense of physical movement in mm. it as well, but that does mean that sort of so wait, did you feel sick because it was smooth or because it wasn't smooth? I tend to find first-person shooters on that screen when they're super smooth, I will get sick. And huh. especially when they're as fast as this game and right. the way that when you strafe, the view sort of slightly sort of dips in one direction mm. to give you a real sense of physical movement, which is yeah. which is great for the moment, but does bad things over time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Dusk, um, it's fun. <laughs> is my review and yeah we've been playing Twinfold mm. which is a new game from Kenny's son I wish now that I'd looked up what the name of his first game was because I remember yeah. I covered it for PC Gamer and it was really cool um, uh, visually striking uh, game about like concentric circles you were trying to this is Kenny's first game not uh, not Twinfold which we're about to talk about but um, his first one was yeah, concentric circles and you're walking around the outside of the circle and when an enemy came up you had to kind of press a button to switch sides so you're walking on the inside of the circle mm. and then I can't remember how but once you completed that ring you moved to the inner ring and each one had like I think inverted colours to the last one mm. and it kind of looked like a kind of I don't know a pattern you get on a rug or something <laughs> but uh, you were playing it and it was really cool Circa Circa Infinity yeah that was it which was uh, followed up by Circle Infinity oh I didn't know <laughs> I think about one the confusingly I think one of them I think it might have initially come out on mobile and then it was being brought to PC or something like that right. it was like a, yeah what anyway, is this game Twinfold so far all I've seen of it is people posting larger and larger numbers <laughs> yeah yeah so it's um uh, so the, the, should we say the quick version of the, the, the kind of like the the, the dirty description okay. 
which is uh, Michael Brogue. No, <laughs> Michael Brogue meets uh, or makes. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm completely threes. It. Threes. <laughs> Michael Brogue makes threes by way of Michael Brogue. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I I I heard that description before I played it, and I, I did not get that impression from it. It definitely has a, the threes influence, but uh, it definitely copies some things from Michael Brogue's games. But the Michael Brogue style for me is like rough and. Yeah kind of ugly and pure deep mechanics and doesn't worry about kind of feel or um uh a lot of polished elements that other games do and like very homebrew sounds and uh this is like i guess like three so fair enough um beautifully presented extremely clean and um uh curved and uh lovely sound design very rich and kind of um Anyway, you you are a tile on a grid, I guess. Like you're a, a rectangular, yeah. Like, like threes, everything is a is a tile with a face on it, um, including you. And there are two gold tiles, which at the start of the game they're each valued at one. And every time you move left, right, up, or down, everything moves except for the walls of the level. So like the gold moves, you move, enemies move. It's as if everything's on a kind of board underneath the yeah. level. Um. And uh, you are trying to push those two gold tiles into each other, uh, which obviously, if they're in free space when you move, they don't push into each other because they all move at the same the same amount. Uh, but if you can push them up against a wall, one of them can't move, the other one moves into it, and the two ones become a two, and another two spawns, and then at a random location, and all the walls regenerate, which is how Imbroglio works every time you get the, the star that the level regenerates around you. That happens in this. Um... And so every time you merge them, you're doubling the score of those tiles. But you don't get any score until you eat them. And eating them is kind of a bad thing. Because if you, you know, if there's two fours on screen and you eat one of them, now you don't have another four to combine with the other one. So you can't get eight. You have to just eat the other four. And once they're both gone, whether because you ate them or because an enemy ate them or it fell down a pit or whatever, once they're both gone, uh, two twos spawn. So, so you've halved the value of what's on the board. Yeah. So every time you do that, you're setting yourself back a lot and if you can hold off on on eating them for as long as possible every time you manage to merge them without eating them you've doubled your score that you'll get for eating them um and so you know the first time you play it you're kind of eating them a lot when you eat them you get a health point back as well so you've been injured by an enemy then you um uh, if an enemy if you accidentally let an enemy eat one of them like they get healed and you don't get the points from that one and now you can't combine the remaining one with anything so you might as well eat that um and the first time I played it, that's happening all the time. And your um, merging, you know, happens when you're lucky and that's it. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, I see the whole game's about merging. I just should be trying to merge and avoiding everything else. And then you do that and you do it and you do it and you do it. And it like you get in situations where like the only way I can merge is by pushing myself into a wall and that hurts me. Uh, and you're kind of you're chipping away at your health and you realize I'm never going to get any health back ever or level up or get any abilities or progress in any way until I eat one of these things. <laughs> so yeah, and it's when, just when about you trying them, to make that as late as possible. When you eat them, the, the score that they give you is also sort of XP. So when it hits kind of yeah. um, sort of successive yeah. uh, inf- sort of thresholds. Non- thresholds um, yeah, it's like, I think it's like 16 at first and then like the next yeah. one's like um, 128 or something. Because yeah. like I say, you're doubling the score all the time. And the thresholds double as well. Uh, if you, once you know the game well and you know you're supposed to be merging these things, you're not really eating them until quite late in the game. Um, or at least 
you know, I think the last time I played, I probably didn't eat it until it was like 256 at least. So it's going to ask you about that. You you skyrocket past like multiple level ups. And so you get, every time you level up, you get offered like three different uh, possible upgrades. Some of them are just things like, uh, sort of like spells where like this one, um, you can spend some points to create a wall uh, wherever you like, or you can spend some points to cancel an enemy action or turn an enemy round, that kind of thing. Others are passive benefits, like you no longer fall into pits or the gold no longer falls into pits. Um, or every time an enemy bumps into a wall, they take uh, two damage instead of one. Um, uh, actually, I think it might be two extra damage. Uh, but anyway, that uh, that when you're playing sort of naively and just eating the gold whenever it's convenient or whenever you bump into it or whatever, uh, you're leveling up at a sort of normal rate. But if you play uh, you know, intelligently and try and avoid it as long as possible... When you finally get that, like the last time I played, I sort of leveled up six times at once <laughs> the first time we leveled up. Yeah. Um, and so every time you level up, you also get fully healed. So if you're on low health, you get the health for eating the thing, but also the points that you get then level you up and you get full health for yeah. that. Um, and yeah, so when you actually get to like the, the crisis point where you're like, you're on one health and the two things that they're up to like, you know, two million each. <laughs> if you merge them, you know, there will be two of them and both of them are worth four million. Yeah, you got to go, <laughs> that's two million I more. I can't possibly eat them. But, but if like, you die before eating die. either of them, like my score could be like, you know, 512 at that point. <laughs> There's two million on the board. It's a if really, I don't eat them, like, it's a massive disaster. It's a real sense of kind of like, on one hand, you feel that abstinence, like it's saying that abstinence is a very kind of like extremely important virtue. And then on the other hand, it's like, You've, you really do have to eat now. <laughs> Stop being so greedy. <laughs> How does it mix up um, subsequent runs? Uh, the layout of the walls is randomly generated. Um, other than that, oh, and what upgrades you're offered is, is random. And some of them are pretty game-changing. Like gold not falling in pits is a mm. huge deal because mm. then, then all you have to worry about is enemies eating gold. Um, and uh, yeah, I got one where um yeah, you can have it so you don't fall in pits um oh yeah the best one i got was that you're you're warned when enemies are going to spawn enemies always spawn when you merge so if you if you, even if you get like a good run where you can merge very easily um it's quite dangerous to you know merge very often like you know every couple of turns because you probably haven't dealt with their existing enemies and dealing with enemies is because you can move them, you can bump them into walls, they take damage from that. It's actually, like, with one or two enemies, it's pretty easy to just kind of outplay them. Like, you see where they're going to move. Um, and there's this pattern I keep getting into where, like, a guy's going to move towards me and, and hurt me. So I move to the left uh, where there's a wall between us and he bumps himself into the wall because he can't change his mind about what he's going to do. And he takes damage from that. And because now there's now a wall, he tries to move left. And the space he's trying to move to is empty. But one space away from that is a wall. So I move left. So now he's touching the wall and he bumps into that. And then he's like, Rah! and then, then <laughs> you're below him. So he aims down again. And then you just move back to the same barrier. <laughs> I can just do that all day. It's, it's quite, yeah, it's and it a has nice this, feeling. When that happens, you, you feel like um, the game is, is, gives you kind of an absurd level of control of enemies. It's just ridiculous. You're absolutely, it kind of feels like uh, the sort of slapstick scene where someone like holds the the other person's head while they try and punch them and just like completely they're in the palm of your hand you can screw them over in whatever way you like and just everything they try will backfire and kill them uh, but of course because it's so random and because there are other types of enemies some of which can go through walls some of which um, 
can uh, can't be hurt by being pushed into walls and uh, stuff like that you very quickly get into situations where it's like oh god every move i do here yeah you know it's either i take some damage or i uh push an enemy into the gold which means they eat the gold they heal themselves i don't get the points i can't merge uh or i go up this way and i fall into a pit and die and the whole run is over <laughs> and that's not really acceptable um and you're also most of the time trying to not eat the gold you know sometimes like I look at all my options and like this one I'll I'll take three damage and this one I'll fall into a pit and die and this one an enemy eats the gold and this one oh I just eat the gold and I get a shitload of points and I level up a bunch. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that, but if I have to do it, it's actually not a bad option. The um has a really cool uh undo system. Yeah. Where you can you can undo we were talking about this. You they've definitely been in quite a situations where I've been able to undo twice, but you it's hmm. sort of one I don't really quite understand. My impression is you can always undo the last move. And if you do undo the last move, then make another move, you can also undo that. Right. But I've never been able to go two back into the past. If you yeah, know. I can't remember the situation. But yeah, uh, undo, it's always available. But uh, for every undo you use, you lose a percentage yeah, exactly. of your score. 1% of your score. And, you know, when your score is like eight, you kind of think it literally isn't anything. It won't, it won't affect my score at all. Uh, but if this run goes well, I'm going to end up with 60 million points. <laughs> and 1% of that is actually not insignificant. And so you're always like... Uh, it, I really like the system because when I played initially, I used the undo loads and it was super helpful because there's just loads of cases where you can use it after you've died and the yeah. scoreboard has come up and it's told you what you got in your run. You can still say, nope, undo. <laughs> I want to go back and see, yeah. could I have got out of that? And I was in a situation where like my best ever run at the time I was on the scoreboard for that, and I, you know, I could literally, as an instruction, I could go left or right, and if I go, uh, oh sorry, I think it was like right or down, um, and if I go down, I'm pretty sure I die, but it depends on this enemy's behavior. If I go left, I definitely die because there's this this ghost enemy that can hit me through walls. Oh, um, that one's a scumbag. And sorry, I went down, and uh, my run ended, and I got the, the highest highest score I ever got and it was great it was on the leaderboards and then I stopped playing the game and I came back the next day and fired it up and actually a weird thing had happened where it normally I would expect it to still be on that screen and still have the option to undo it had actually already undone for me I just fired up the game and I was just in the situation I was in at the last minute before I played that and because I was in that situation I just thought well I'll just try going right instead and it turns out the enemy that can move through walls can't attack through walls and attempting to attack through walls hurts it. Oh, shit. So, really? <laughs> right. And the thing tried to hit me through the wall. It killed itself. I'm like, oh my God, this I is no actually salvageable. I can play on from here. And I, I assumed it, could, it would just, um, just go straight through walls. Yeah, I assume that too. But oh, this changes everything. Out. Yeah. Um, so when you're comparing scores, is that just like a high score thing? Or is there a daily run? No, uh, daily run at the moment. Just, yeah, just playing the game anyway. And I have we, to say we should is... say that we're playing on mobile, but it's available on Steam as well. So it might might behave slightly different on steam because presumably you wouldn't be able to come back to the client the next day if you if you shop i have been, i have played it a bit on steam but i don't remember how that works um and yeah the points are just everything you've ever eaten so it's um it's this weird thing where like uh everything you have eaten up until the point where the two million is on the board will be less than two million it'll be like you know maybe one million um and and a bunch of change and then you eat that one extra thing and you've doubled your score. And yeah, the leaderboards has been a, a sort of comical farce uh, <laughs> because uh, a friend of the podcast, Zach Johnson, posted um, 
a an image that he just called video games and it was his score which was like 2600 and his friend kevin's score which is like 260 trillion <laughs> and since then uh Zach and I, not so much Kevin, Zach and I have been in hot competition to um, uh, overtaking each other. Like, he'll overtake me, then I'll overtake him, and, and so on. Um, I think he, last time we looked, he was on 200 million, and I was on 800 million, uh, which sounds like I'm completely thrashing him, but really, like, that's probably one extra gold at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. You kind of feel, you look at the, the people above you on the, the score, you know, the leaderboards, and you think, I don't, I can never do that. But then your score goes up exponentially yeah it is as we said um the randomness is the variance in how hard or easy it can be is is huge because when you start a game the two gold may well be next to each other in fact it's quite common for me next to each other i think it's almost always or maybe very on the close. first level yeah, yeah it always is uh but even that even within that parameter uh it can be incredibly hard to merge them or incredibly easy because if the layout of the level is such that you are already further left than them and everywhere you can push them has uh, doesn't have a barrier for them but does have a barrier for you. You would hurt yourself by going left and they would not be pushed up against anything so they wouldn't merge. And I've had it where like just the very first merge takes me like, you know, 15 moves to find a way yeah. that I can shove them into the right corner to push them together. And that's true of every single time that they spawn. Yeah. Sometimes it's brutally difficult and sometimes it's super simple. And when there's enemies around, if it's brutally difficult and there's like four enemies to deal with, um, it's kind of a nightmare and it kind of gets around that a little bit because the level does you get a fresh set of walls and new newly placed um gold you know it might be a hundred times in a in a single <laughs> game so yeah that difficulty well massive variance between generations like over the course of a single playthrough you've kind of you know you've had a sort of a, the same general experience as ever yeah although if you do get a brutal one, you might not get past yeah, it. <laughs> that is true. It is one thing it is generous about is once you killed all the enemies, it's a long time before any more enemies spawn. Yeah. I think it's like usually sort of seventeen moves you get before any other enemies spawn. Whereas something like it is a lot like uh, eight six eight hack and Imbroglio, and in those games, enemies even from the start, enemies are spawning a lot. Like dealing with the enemies is kind of not sustainable. You, you're yeah. always trying to do your objective and ignore them a little bit. Um, whereas in this, it actually the thing I've learned is just forget about the gold for now. Don't push into a pit or anything and don't let the enemies pick it up, but just kill all of the enemies. And once they're gone, you will have enough time to figure out how to merge these two bits of gold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the best thing I got, I, I got on my last run uh, with the 800 million one. Um, I think this must be a perk they reserve for late game, but it added a shield in a random direction to me. And oh, I thought nice. like, oh, cool. How many points does that cost? No, it's a passive perk. It just adds a shield to you forever. And so I have a shield on and that run. I have a shield on my left, which means I cannot be hurt from the left. I oh, can shit. move into the left infinitely. And when you can just like, I can just stand up against a wall and just move left. Everyone else is moving left all the time. I'm staying where I am. I'm perfectly happy. I can just smash them all into the wall. <laughs> it's amazing. And presumably, like I've had the same perk twice before. Like you can get the same passives and they stack. So the one that does one extra damage and you push them to the wall, you get two of those. It does two extra damage and you push them into the wall. I assume this one can stack too. So you could just keep getting shields. Which <laughs> would explain how someone's got a number that's yeah. so long that I don't I have no idea what you'd call it <laughs> you had some fun with the tutorial didn't you Alex oh <laughs> the tutorial so basically um it has a really good sense of humor like threes is is cute looking and pleasant 
but it's not got much of a sense of humor i'd say like it has the little things they smile and they and that sort of stuff but this game is so if you uh so the, the game at the start of the tutorial text is telling you to merge stuff initially, but then asks you to eat stuff. And if you then merge again after it tells you to eat, you know, some gold to demonstrate that system, uh, it says, no, no, please, 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 please stop merging. I know, I know merging's fun, but, but please go on to, and so you do it again. And it says, no, seriously, you know, <laughs> we can't go on to the next stage if we, if we don't. And then the next one, if you do that again, <laughs> I'm going to reset the tutorial. And it does. <laughs> it's so good. I bet and then, the, the percentage of people who see that message and the percentage of people who then do it again is yeah. probably like 95%. Because yeah. at that point, you, you're doing it to find out what it says. <laughs> and, then, um, and, then it's, uh, uh, and then when you finish the tutorial, it says, uh, there are probably some more things to tutorialize, but I don't want to. <laughs> Good luck. And I think the OK button is always just cool. <laughs> cool. If you so, there are a lot of things in the game that aren't not well explained. I wish you could just click on anything and find out some information about it. But the counter for when enemies are going to spawn, or like when you're building towards when yeah, enemies are going to spawn, sign. click on that. You get the fucking textbook on how that works. There's a breakdown of like the seven top influences on when enemies will spawn, ranked in priority order of which things <laughs> are the most important, and it's a factor of your level, and it's a factor of how long, how many turns on this screen, how many turns <laughs> since the last enemy was killed, how many turns of this. Uh, and then the bottom of that just says cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's no, other cool. bits that just. No, you're never going to tell you. Yeah, right next to that, there's the other bar, which is um, separately from points. Every time you, uh, I took me a long time to learn this, but this bar is filling when you kill things. Yeah, and that is the that's, that's like your, your mana, mana yeah. yeah, that you spend on spells and stuff. Which because I didn't realize that the number next to the st- the, the spell for a, for a while was its cost. I thought it was the number yeah, of uses. Yeah, exactly. Or something. And I was looking at like, man, wait, you only get one use, but this yeah. kill thing, I get seven uses from that. I definitely want that. Yeah. And they go, no, yeah, it no, costs you never seven. Afford, you can never afford to use it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that leads some interesting stuff. Where like, I was in a situation earlier where um, I had no good moves and I was really trapped. Look at the end of my run, but one of my moves that I could do would kill an enemy that wasn't a threat to me at all. It was on the other side of the board. It was no worries. The least important enemy on the, on the screen. But by killing him, I would get some points, and those points could be spent on one of my spells. I had a shitload of spells <laughs> at that point. If I've got four points, I can solve any problem. Um, and that was the way out of it in the end. Good game. Twinfold. Yes. Not to be confused with Twofold, which is uh, also a primarily mobile game by uh, Gripfruct, who did Hold Down, oh, yeah. that we talked about on there. Fantastic Arcade Podcast. I also played Hades, which is the new Supergiant game, which is an Epic Store exclusive and early access. Um, uh, it's kind of big news, I think, that Supergiant releasing a new game from scratch. It's like, oh, sorry, out of the blue. Um, and it's a roguelike, which they haven't really done before. Um, and that's interesting because they are a very narrative-focused studio, Um and that's true here as well, but they tried to kind of merge that with a roguelike. So you are, I can't remember his name, but he's the son of Hades. Hades is your dad. The game's named after your dad. <laughs> Which must be really kind of galling. Like, man, I'm the star of this game and it's named after my dad still. The god of death. Yeah, yeah. Julian. <laughs> yeah, Julian, son of Hades. Um, he's very kind of Dante from... Jose Brash. That game. I haven't seen the trailer even. 
Dante's Inferno <laughs> <laughs> or Devil May Cry. Devil, Devil May, May Cry. Cry. Yeah. Um, uh, it's weird because I don't know. I think of them as uh, all of the stuff is so unusual and distinctive and its own thing, and this is. Hades and Zeus and um, mm. Athena and I guess just Greek gods um, and so they all kind of already have you know a pre-existing association mm. and I feel like their writing stuff is quite subtle sometimes um, and I and also it's because it's in roguelike form the way, my perception of, of how they're trying to solve this problem, because roguelike is short runs, you die, you start again. And narrative is a long journey from start to finish that you go through once um, and develop through the course of that. And the way they're trying to merge it is the, the story kind of happens back at base. And every time you die, you go back to base. And it is made very explicit that that your character remembers the last life. Like you are, you come out of a pool of blood, you've basically respawned rather than actually you know starting the game again um and people have new things to say to you and it doesn't that structure doesn't really work for me because when i've just died in a roguelike especially an action roguelike which is a, a combat focused action twitch challenge based uh fighting game every time i die i am furious <laughs> <laughs> fucking so angry <laughs> and i'm if I'm going to play it again at all, if I'm ever going to play it again, instead of rage uninstalling it, um, it is because I'm hopelessly addicted to it because I want to unlock the next thing and it's got persistent unlocks and stuff. And that does not make me any more conducive to hearing a fucking word anyone has to say to me. <laughs> Shut up, everybody. Get out of my way. I'm going back to the fucking gate i got to go through to spawn again. Is it what sort of gonna... thing was it say? Like, sort of like, oh, you've got to try harder, Julian. Or uh, is it that kind of thing? <laughs> again, your character is not called Julian. <laughs> um, no, it, they don't rub it in. Uh, your character is monologuing all the time. Um, and I didn't like him at first, but he's kind of growing on me now because he is reminding me a lot of Transistor. Um, Gameplay-wise, it's a lot like Bastion. It's a, an action game where you have some range... You pick a weapon, and it's either a ranged weapon or a melee weapon, and often it will have like um, the secondary fire will be the opposite of that. So like the shield is my favorite weapon, and I can throw the shield as secondary fire, and it bounces off people and... and um, Stuff like that. Um, but then the your character just kind of makes very... Uh, I think of them as like passive voice comments. <laughs> like you're always just commenting on things, but without making a big deal of it. Like you'll die to... Um, uh, an enemy that kills me a lot is the numbskulls because... Um, they... What, the, the, the Beano characters who live in someone's head. <laughs> yes, they, they kill Julian, son of Hades. Uh, they, uh, Supergiant are really good at naming things. And, uh, you know, do you remember the, the, all the Bastion um, the characters all had these very colloquial names? Like, was one of them called like the Gas Dude or something? <laughs> like, gas Fella? I feel like Gas Fella was the name of an enemy in Bastion. Like, they were that kind of thing. And this... Um, uh, I was getting killed by numbskulls all the time because the game has a very otherwise very reliable interrupt system where when you hit an enemy, it interrupts their attack. Just 
pretty reliable across the board and that makes it one-on-one you'll defeat anything very easily because every enemy every weapon can attack faster than they can attack and your attacks can drop there so you just win uh obviously the way it gets hard is when there's lots of enemies um and then and when there's numbskulls and uh the name of the numbskull is telling you it doesn't get interrupted because it's numb to your attack like you hit it it doesn't care about you hitting it it will still attack you and so when i'm I had learned to just kind of spam the button and just smash everything. Just make sure everything is in my attack range at all times and then I don't have to worry about them fighting back and the numbskulls would hit me. And you die and then your character just kind of comments like, ah, numbskulls got me again. Or something like that. Okay. And so, so it's quite useful. That's the only way I know they're called numbskulls is that he keeps referencing them when they kill me. Mm-hmm. And the more you get killed by something, the more he, he talks about it. Um, and yeah, they, they do a pretty good job of making that stuff not... Like, God, I fucking hate... Um, uh what is the game where... Oh, Batman Arkham Asylum and, and related games where every time you die, like, the Joker has a new taunt for you and, like, <laughs> leans over down to you and says, Aha! <laughs> Look, I can't wipe this off the top like of my it. head. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> ah, Batman. Ah, fuck Are you. you. <laughs> over again. <laughs> like, again, my state of mind when I've just died in a Twitch-based game is not good. <laughs> it's not a good time to taunt me. Uh, and there's a type of player who, it's not that they love that stuff, it's that they rise to it. It's like, oh, you taught me, I'm going to fucking get you this time. I'm going to beat you up, Joker. That's how people think in the story. I really, I really, really want to and see a video of you playing this. <laughs> see your rage come that out. Is, that is not my mindset. Um, uh, very inclined to alt F4 at that point. <laughs> Uh, so this game does a good job of avoiding that when you die it's, it's a very casual comment this guy is kind of like the first few times says stuff like oh, I can't really get used to this or uh, comments on it like being a painful process um, and now at this point it's very low key just casual things like oh numbskull's got me again um, so that stuff does work but does it defuse you slightly? no <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it doesn't antagonise me which is good um and yeah, I just haven't bothered with any... I don't want to stop and talk to these NPCs because I'm itching... Mm. If it's if I'm still feeling positive about the game, it's because I'm itching to get back to it and spend my currency on upgrades, my darkness points, which I spend in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I'm afraid you're a bit of an edgelord. <laughs> uh, which gives you persistent upgrades, like uh, this one. Uh, for every point I put into it, I get 20% of my health back if I attack my attacker in that bloodborne window right. <laughs> you know the right, right after you're hit if you attack back you, you recoup some of that yeah. uh, the main one I've been putting points into is um, just getting one fucking health point out of 50 every time I enter a room like every time I complete a room and kill a bunch of enemies and move on uh, that's the closest thing I can get to healing because my persistent problem with it was I would just you get whittled down so fucking fast if you slip up you're going to take so much damage and you just cannot recoup it any time in the early game. Uh, if you're good enough and you get far enough, then there are healing options. But the, my first sort of 10 to 20 runs, uh, I just never got the opportunity to heal at all. So every single mistake I made, and I was making a lot of them because I was new to the game, was permanent and damning. And I got to the point where I was just like, just like there's this little like intro corridor. It's randomly generated after that point, but this corridor is the same every time. Um the enemies that spawn are a bit different, but there's only just like two or three basic enemies. And just before it, you get a perk that you get to choose. It's random. Um, the perks you get are from different gods, and each god has like three things they offer. 
and what they offer is dependent on the weapon you've brought as well. So there's a lot of variance there, and I really like that they give you one right up front, so immediately your run is a little bit different to the last one. Um, you get that, and then the the enemies in that room are just to test that on, really. It's just like, get used to the controls, mm. just you kill these three guys. Several times I have mm. lost, like, you start with 50 health points. Several times I've lost more than 20 health points to those guys <laughs> because I just made one fucking mistake. I just didn't know how this new thing I got worked. Mm. And it, your run is fucked. There's no point carrying on. There technically is a point in carrying on because you can't lose anything from a run and every every point of darkness you get is persistent. So there's, there, there isn't really a reason to start again. But it feels so bad to lose half your health in the fucking intro corridor because you made one tiny mistake. Um and yeah early on it just feels so punishing with that stuff there's so little ways so few ways to get health back uh every mistake is extremely harshly punished and it just feels kind of depressing i just i found myself restarting a lot in this game I just mm-hmm. something goes wrong i just think fuck this run it's over i gotta just start again later on as you get better at it and as you unlock more stuff you get further and then you get to shops and in shops you can buy food that heals you um there are uh, certain rooms, each room has a different reward, and sometimes you have the option of which room to go to. And one of the rewards is a max health boost that also boosts your current health by the same amount. So it doesn't really fill you, but if it gives you 25 extra max health, it also gives you 25 extra current health. Um, and a few little things like that. And obviously, I've leveled up this healing per room. Um, and so now it's almost got to the point where I can, you know, I can have a decent run and like mistakes don't feel permanent in the same way. But it's kind of a bad balance because you don't want when someone's first learning the game to be super harsh on them but then more forgiving on on experienced players kind of want it to be the other way around and i i've uninstalled it now because i was uh it was making me very angry but i was addicted to it which is just a bad combination i like (laughs) i I get angry with it and i stop playing because i'm angry with it and then like two hours later i'm like hmm but i would like to try this weapon or i'd like to like get back to maybe next time i'll get a really good perk like there are some perks that are just one time like in the second room i got a perk it was like 300 percent extra damage in your basic attack which is just the thing <laughs> you're doing all the time and this is with the shield which hits multiple targets in an arc uh does quite a lot of damage per hit more than the sword for some reason uh and has deflect as a permanent property which means just anyone who's attacking or any projectile that's hitting you at the time that you attack it deflects it and I got 300% extra damage on that. <laughs> so, so I just slaughter everything in almost no time. Everything they can do to me, including numbskulls, will bounce off me while I'm attacking. <laughs> and it hits everybody. And if anyone is ever out of range, I can throw it and it seeks to people and bounces around. Um, and then... Uh, so that perk was insane. In general, I'd, I'd like the shield a lot. And then they took away deflect from it. The shield no longer deflects. And that's when I decided I'm going to stop playing this because it is like fair play is in early access is the kind of change you expect. But I realized like I just learned how to play with the shield with the flex. Mm. Now that that's gone, I'm back to square one. This is like the day after it came out. You know? <laughs> it's just fundamentally radically You've changed. That it is very best and you can never go back. And I realized like, I'm, you know, A, this is making me extremely frustrated and is not good for me. Um, and B, it's changing so fucking much that I'm not, you know, the thing that was, that was addicting was was getting these perks and kind of building and learning the game and that that kind of inbuilt knowledge and muscle memory that you get in Splunky and uh, Dead Cells and stuff where you just get better at the, the skill-based thing of it. And I realized like the foundations under that are changing so much that I can't mm. learn that either. Because uh, you get that little bit in Dead Cells that you kind of, you you go through a run with a lovely combination of weapons and you think this is what the game's about and then you don't have that 
same combination in the next run and you've got to rebuild learn the muscle memory over time i guess you just learn each of the permutations and it gets becomes normal but yeah actually one thing i like in this game is that there's just uh you choose your weapon in your in back at base and when you leave it never changes after that you never find new weapons you never um uh, change weapons it's just that weapon and you find perks for it all the time and those are themed to the growish gods and you get to choose which kind of ability of the weapon it upgrades in what way um and i like that more than dead cell system i think because you're not so dependent on drops you're not mm. so you're not just hoping like oh i hope i really like a shield i hope i get a shield also in dead cells you're never hoping to get a shield because the shields in dead cells <laughs> suck in my opinion and this is this is a game that does a shield really well it's um while you hold it uh, you are protected from that direction and when you release it you do a bull rush so you charge towards people with that and um in this that wouldn't work in dead cells because it's only you can only really be attacked from two directions in dead cells and so being able to completely block one of those would be pretty game breaking but in an isometric game where you're being attacked from all directions blocking in one direction is not a yeah. completely yeah. uh game breakingly good um so that works and yeah i like if you're getting bored or frustrated, you just pick a different weapon at the start. You don't have to hope you can't. But you get given a different weapon. The weapons are are designed to be equal in effectiveness. It's not like there's better ones that you get. It's just uh, the different playstyles, and you do you have to unlock them. So you, like one of the things you can get from a room is a key, and I think the shield costs maybe four keys to unlock it. Um, it looks like there's slots for like five or six weapons, and I think there's only three at the moment. Maybe there's four: there's sword, shield, spear bow so there's four and i think there's two more places for weapons that it seems like they haven't been added yet um yeah there's lo- loads of things about it that i like in theory design wise and it's i have to say it's a lot cleaner and better presented than their previous combat systems like transistor i love it to death it's my favorite of their games but it is really unclear what's going on in combat there's so many times when like I don't even know if I took damage just then. Like the screen flashed and stuff was going on, but actually it looks like I didn't lose health that time. But other times I'm like half health. I didn't even notice that happening. This, it's really clear when you're taking damage. Everything, the art style is much better defined and much more readable. There's less kind of clutter and and ambiguity about what's going on. Um, So that's all good. (laughs) But in practice, (laughs) I mean, Twitch games are not my thing anyway. Um, And yeah, they're not good for me. I get very, very angry. (laughs) <laughs> i need a, i need a video feed <laughs> it's it's not pretty it's, it sounds funny when i'm talking about the abstract but if you saw you just think you pathetic little man <laughs> should we do some questions yes okay this one from andrew says dear fruit and fruit vores in the recent episode you drunkenly rambled about how lettuces don't want sorry don't want to get eaten but fruit do a more useful question mark direction is what organisms fitness defined around reproductive success is improved by being eaten then lettuces are keen on it as they end up farmed like how cows have selectively bred some humans to be lactose intolerant so they can get laid (laughs) not 100% sure about that but in other words as soon as you as you add intentionality it gets weird and scary uh he has a question which is what games have have made you anthropomorphize something that led to everything being uncomfortable uh i don't know about any games but this question certainly made me uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) well is that argument that kind of sort of pets are some of the most um successful animals like we can look at them and say oh poor subjugated animal but actually like they are you know they've they've they're they're reproductive kind of 
uh, abilities are all just totally supported by another species. Yeah. Or if you asked a cow cow if you thought it picked the right direction, if it would agree. (laughs) It's hard to say. The pet lettuce really has triumphed over all. (laughs) (laughs) I learned Uh, that um, citrus fruits, none of them are sort of uh, uh, natural at all. Really? And the, or oh, cultivars. Cultivars, yeah. yeah. And there is a an original one which I've forgotten the name of. Is it the Citron? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> the, the Citron. It sounds so much like you guys are making this up. <laughs> it came. And there's just just the single master fruit called the Citron. And it everything came else from is the sky. There's three. It's the original three. And I have no idea what that the is. original three. <laughs> the Citron. I think it's Citron, possibly the Mandarin and the Pomelo. Pomelo is the one that I was aware of. All right. right. So, yeah. so it might be the, just the third one. The, the, what did you say there? Uh, the mandarin. One the mandarin. of the smaller oranges. And all other oranges come from that orange. Yes. Selectively bred to get bigger. Huh. Whoa. Mandarin ones are very nice. They so are. I can see how that might yeah, have. The uh, precursor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the precursor race of oranges. <laughs> we can study the remnants of Mandarin civilization. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, the gold in Twinfold has like a face and stuff on it, but you eat it and you force it to merge with itself. <laughs> That's pretty unsettling. I mean, I hadn't thought about it until this question. So again, it's really the question is <laughs> small. Uh, let me find the next question. Uh, some guy from the internet writes, I could not tell you whether this is a person on the internet or a person in the internet or because <laughs> that is the username of one of our community members but then some people do just describe themselves that way uh, dear fated soap bar i recently discovered the read harder reading challenge it consists of a list of criteria for books and one is supposed to read a different book for every item on the list the end goal is to try more different things and to pick up new interests and i like how reading challenges give structure to the exploration i think this could be a good way to explore different kinds of video games it would not be difficult to create a list based off franchises, developers, and genres, but I'm more interested in gameplay and playstyle-related challenges. Examples of what I'm thinking include playing a Telltale game and trying to get the worst possible outcomes, playing an immersive sim non-lethally and non-stealthily, playing an immersive sim with equipment OSP rules, which explains is you should empty your inventory before moving to the next level. Uh, playing, I don't know what OSP stands for, so tell us if you know. Playing a Bethesda RPG without talking to any friendly NPCs, playing a joke Doom Wad, playing through a game with, in an unfamiliar language, playing an open-world game without upgrading your character. Do such lists exist already? What would you put on your list? How would you name it? Thank you for reading. Kind regards, some guy on the internet. Yeah, this is an interesting idea. Like The thing it puts me in mind of is when I was disc editor on PC Gamer, I had to play every demo that I was putting on the disc, so I was just forced to play a bunch of stuff that was totally outside of my tastes, and I did learn, like, that's how I got into Rise of Nations, which previously I would have said I'm not interested in any historical... Don't like nations. Yeah, nations or rising. Going up. (laughs) They should stay where they are. Um, On the ground is where a nation belongs. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's good. It gets you out of your comfort zone introduces you to new things i think the equivalency is slightly flawed uh, from the the book reading list where you uh, would go and read books uh, and they're i think the point would be that they're uh, they would all be good <laughs> uh, but 
playing games contrary to how they're supposed to be played, you could often end up in uh, areas which are underdeveloped. Yeah. And Although I think the, the 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 skill is developing a way of playing it which the game does support, but but you tend not to explore. Like, yeah. So or, I I tend to play. I find it really hard to be an asshole in games because I'm just such a nice guy, you know. <laughs> and um, so I'm playing Red Dead Redemption at the moment and having a real, real trouble sort of doing most of the things the game is designed to do, which is to be addicted to people and shoot people and rob banks and stuff. Because I roll up in a, in a town and I'm kind of like, well, it seems nice here. Yeah. I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> I like when I don't you walk want to into get a chased. bar and then your character just randomly insults a sex worker just <laughs> with no interactivity at all. You can't choose not to. Just And it starts a fight. Like, it's a huge deal. Okay, I'm reloading. I don't know that I want it to happen. I'm not going in there ever again because I don't want to be a dick. I did, I, I did hear uh, the missions where you are extracting debts from people. Yeah. I had heard that you had to beat the people. Um, yeah. and I don't know if this is true for all of them because I've only done one of them but the one I had it was strong like you had the option to threaten or beat and then you, I threatened and it didn't work and it said beat him like I was an actual tip that came up on screen and I just refused to I just kept threatening him and it actually eventually worked I was able to not attack him in any way just keep threatening him because I assume they'd just run off or something and you'd fail it or just sort of you'd have to kill them because they you know it's the only way to finish the level yeah it's definitely uh, it's got a nasty streak of they they assume some things about your character that are extremely objectionable and... Well, you are, I mean, honestly, you are meant to be an outlaw. Like, you, you are playing... You're a bastard in the West. Like, yeah, I don't... That is... To... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I don't want to do that either. But I would like... I do like the idea of drawing up a little list for yourself which absolves you. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, like, no, I'm not allowed to play another way because of this arbitrary thing that I've told myself yeah, that I, I do. Yeah, if if... People who have trouble choosing the, the evil option in an RPG would feel okay about it if they're if they're doing it as a kind of challenge that someone yeah. else has set for them. Yeah, there's a few things, um, a few games that uh, have unexplored aspects to them if you just follow how they're meant to be played. Um, I played, uh, there was a racing game called Fuel, mm-hmm. uh, which was lots of races, kind of off-road um, trucks and buggies and things, set in a huge open world. And it was far more fun to just leave the race course and trundle across this huge landscape. Uh, it had an amazing kind of feel about it. There were these strange monolithic black trucks going uh, across empty roads and kind of trundle around and found a lot of different varying um, biomes mm. and things. And it, it just felt like you were on a journey. It was a genuinely interesting way to play a game how it was not intended to so, I was, yeah, i'd love to see that game updated actually sort of you know smoothed out because it was always a bit sort of janky and it was obviously for the the last generation as well so it's i would love to see that rise again yeah. i remember jim rossinor wrote um mm. uh, about yeah. on rps a, a sort of an account of traveling right the way across the map because it literally took an hour several hours to drive it didn't it yeah and yeah it was it was that article that made me do it. So maybe Jim could compile this list. So none of us have to do it. Uh, I think doing like taxi jobs in a GTA game and trying not to break any traffic laws, trying not to bump into anything, just trying to drive perfectly and just be a law-abiding citizen for a bit and just do a job and get paid for it. That is a sort of strange pleasure in that game. Like, like if you do that, it's surprisingly rewarding. It sounds like it's going to be super dull, but actually is 
Um, there's a lot of fun to be had doing that. Um, this is an extremely obvious me response, but uh, doing Liberty Island in Deus Ex without directly attacking anyone. Hmm. Just anything else goes, but just don't directly shoot or hit anybody. Um, and but for you, though, for you... This really the purest way of approaching this, though, for you, Tom, would be all guns, <laughs> <laughs> all the noise. The problem is that a lot of those games aren't very pleasant to play as shooters. Yeah, I've been thinking of this as sort of like a reading list that sort of pushes you, pushes like an unknown person to explore many different avenues of games that they might not otherwise give a chance to. So the things I would recommend are things that I do know that I have done mm. that, that don't challenge me but might challenge someone else. Um, and the things that I haven't done, <laughs> I don't know if they're worthwhile because <laughs> I haven't done them. I mean, I've certainly killed everyone in a Hitman level. <laughs> I don't know if I've done it in a Deus Ex level, but I think I have done like Deus Ex runs where I'll just like assassinate everybody. Like I have to do it stealthily, but I will kill every single person on the level. <laughs> Also, because I want to hear what my brother says. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get him really upset. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike from Dundee writes, Dear Fake Man's Tobar, uh, The other night was one of those nights where it felt like I saw every hour on the clock. Frustrations quickly set in and it felt like I would never see sleep's sweet respite. Um, and I'm going to skip the rest of his account of his insomnia <laughs> and skip to the question, which is, which game do you feel uses sleep most effectively as a mechanic? Uh, and or what sleep-based mechanic would you like to see implemented in a future title? We all know sleep isn't as simple as choosing how long you want to sleep and hitting okay. Love the pod, keep up the stellar work. I was trying to think of like, sleep in games that wasn't just that. And uh, remembered that in Wolfenstein... I think Wolfenstein 2, I think the most recent one... Um, uh, when you go back to base, there's an option to sleep and uh, you have a series of dreams that, that advance the plot and, or I don't know, they're story related anyway. Uh, but when the, like the tooltip prompt for using your bed will just be nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a nightmare now? <laughs> Not really, actually. I'm pretty sure that also that uh, that's the way you play uh, the original remakes of the old Wolfenstein 3D levels. I'm huh. pretty sure that's the way to do it. By dreaming. Or one way of doing it, yeah. <laughs> dreaming in 8-bit or whatever that is. No, 16. Or 32. I don't know even what it was. I was thinking about the... Um, so Dusk, the game I was talking about earlier, uh, I found, randomly enough, um, like a, a sleeping bag on the floor and I could sleep on it and uh, it regained me 10 morale. <laughs> which meant that it was shield, which is, which is a, uh, one way of doing it. What is the sleep to gold conversion rate? <laughs> How many gold ingots is eight hours of sleep in morale terms? Well, if you're sleepless, it's it's uh, priceless. Are there any games where, like, you can use dreams like to achieve something in the real world? Like, you know, yeah, almost like, like the cyberspace are. dimension in yeah, System Shock. That feels like it's a thing, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like it, it would have been done. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't already. It's surely someone's going to do it where. You fall asleep and that lets you kind of access and roam the world in some different way and make is some changes. Is there a sleep in Psychonauts? Don't know. You're certainly going inside people's unconscious. Yeah. And try and change those. But it's but you know, the, the premise is right that kind of the 
the uh, Elder Scrolls style, I'm going to go to sleep now for eight hours and yeah. kind of then you wake up. The I always thought that um, Minecraft have quite a nice sort of sleep thing where if you couldn't sleep when there were mobs nearby and you'd have to figure out ways that sort of you could put a bed safely that, mm. that you wouldn't get woken up by the mobs <laughs> that came by. There was, yeah, Elder Scrolls games, I think, I feel like some of them don't let you sleep if there's someone nearby. Yeah. And I, I feel like Morrowind did let you sleep, but you'd get woken up. Mm. So you could sleep maybe just regardless, but if there was something nearby... It would actually like two hours into your eight hour sleep, you'd wake up and and it'd just be told a noise would woke you up and you wouldn't necessarily know what it was and you'd have to go and find out. I guess they must have had some system for stopping you just going immediately back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's sort of diminishing returns on sleeping, isn't there, in a lot of games to stop that. Because usually it's like used as a reset thing, like in D D, like it's the get your spell back mm. recoup health and, all and in Morrowind it was the only way you got mana back other than potions like right. there was no nat- natural mana regen yeah yeah but like it's a creative thing like if if sleep in real life is partly to do with kind of sorting out your head you know kind of sort of putting memories into order and generally mm. feeling kind of like you can cope with the world <laughs> um i'm not sure games do that particularly you know what sleep has helped me play some puzzle games before yeah <laughs> just going to bed and waking up and saying, oh it's meant to work like this so what you're saying you is dream like, you solution? get easier puzzles after you slept yeah, dream logic <laughs> filters through because actually now that i think about it one of the uses that dreams do have for me in real life is that uh they sometimes warn me about forthcoming you know, deadlines or things I'm worried about. Like, you have the nightmare that you didn't do the homework and you woke, wake up thinking, shit, I've really got to do that fucking homework. Thank God that wasn't real. I still have time to do the homework. Let's fucking do the fucking homework right fucking now. So it'd be interesting if in games, like, when you went to sleep, you had an option of different dreams you could have and whichever one you had, it would give you, like, a boost to that if that thing really happens. Like, you know, if you're... Uh, you get to choose whether to dream about like being attacked by an orc or <laughs> or having to negotiate with the shopkeeper or something else. And whichever one of those things you pick, if it does happen in your next day, you'll have an advantage at it. So it's like a perk system. Yeah. Like a sort of directed perk system. <laughs> yeah. Also, it could just be used like every little tool tip that would have come up in your in your day-to-day life about telling you what, how to do various things. Like when you sleep, you get a fucking dump of those, just like 25. Here are the, all those things that you didn't have time to think about when you were awake. Or maybe maybe it's giving you, like, it just processes, like it does the, back to Red Dead Redemption, the way that it puts, tells you how to play the game in tiny blobs yes. of text in the top left corner of the screen, which I continually don't, like, don't pay any attention to. And you, like, to. notice it, but in the last two seconds of yeah, it, it's like, oh, wait, oh, what did I say? What oh, about the legendary well, thing? Guess I'll never know about that. But um, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, sort of, it actually puts those into somewhere you can actually access them after you've slept. Like, it's sort of, continually, it's telling you what to do, but in a way that you'll never notice. <laughs> so you have to go to sleep to actually figure out how to play. Well, I didn't see that, but if I just fall asleep right now, I can read the backlog. <laughs> And, oh yeah, Kane has reminded us um, to mention that uh, the Crate and Crowbar Discord community are doing a Game of the Year thing, and there's a URL, but it's a bit too long to read out, so uh, he says that there will be a goatee discussion channel on the Discord server, so 
our Discord is, you can find it on quickandcrowbar.com. Um, and there'll be a channel there to discuss your game of the year. And so there'll be a community game of the year. And we'll do our own game of the year podcast thing at some point. <laughs> I Next believe week, that's in the plan. I guess would be the plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's this year, I was saying um, uh, to Chris, like, oh, this is going to be an interesting one because, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really think what the best game this year is. Yeah. But I forgot this year is infinite. All <laughs> games released this year. There was no time before this year. This year has lasted forever. And so fucking Into the Breach was this year. <laughs> that blows my mind, but it apparently was. And so, obviously, it's that. <laughs> Not to spoil it, but... <laughs> I was... Um, so, I, I wrote a, a sort of end-of-year list for uh, Robert Shotgun and really struggled, really yeah. struggled to come up with a list. Like, mm. uh, I came up with a lot of games that I enjoyed, but not you know to come up with five there just weren't sudden autogo was this yeah sudden autogo no Top. way was it yeah. i suppose it was only access before that which i haven't played yeah. it I yeah of course bloody played that, and that game the real reason that into the breach seems it seems impossible that came out this year is because i played it in 20 like early 2017 yeah, i think yeah. <laughs> so moonshot was only in the summer that feels that feels like it was a long time ago pray moonshot Mm. Moon Crash. Moon Crash. Why do I keep calling it Moonshot? Yeah. Is it, you want to put the word shock into Prey because yeah. it's clearly a shock game, but they weren't allowed to call it that. Yeah. Hey, that, that's okay. multiplayer now. Yeah, we should <laughs> play that. News. We should play that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we have to say about that. We haven't played Probably it. Probably not a podcastable kind of discussion, <laughs> but to a range of times to play it. Anyway. That is all the questions we have time for. Um, you can send us questions at questions at Crate and Crowbar. Com. <laughs> uh, and on Twitter, Creighton Crowbar is at Creighton Crowbar. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, which many people do and we're grateful for. We're at patreon.com slash Creighton Crowbar. We have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Creighton Crowbar. Um, and yeah, our Discord is a place where many of us hang out. Um, and that is linked to on our site, uh, which is creightoncrowbar.com. You can follow us individually. I am at Pentadact on Twitter, P E N T A D A C T. What are you, Alex? I am rotational on Twitter. That's R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and John? I'm J-O-H-N underscore A-R-R. Janar. Janar. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.